Just a heads up, this podcast contains material that may be confronting, especially for survivors of trauma. Aboriginal and Torres Strait people are advised following stories, making tame of names and voices. Our people are passed away. If bad language offends you, turn down the volume. Alright, let's rock and roll. Get this done. What are we doing here? Assessing? Yep, same thing. You, me, I'm Whipper, your blower and rake. And we're gonna go in this yard, just a real quick one. Not much. I went from the best worker, I was the best worker and my boss's best friend, to so many days off. Um, I used to not answer my phone, um, you know, unexplained disappearances and stuff like that where I was just using drugs. It was really out of control. I was really out of control. My name is Tace. People in here mostly call me Buju. If they call me by my first name or my last name, I don't answer. But Buju is a sexy person, you know, basically. If you could see me right now, you'd understand. I'm on the work party. Um, we leave Sector 4 every day and we go out into the community and mow people's lawns and tidy up their yards, palm fronds, snipping, which is my specialty. I've got a business card. This is my first jail sentence and it's for... ICE, Commercial Possession and Supply of a Schedule 1 Dangerous Drug. Hustling, drug dealing and also using a lot. I was about 19 I reckon and I was um, a little asshole. I had gotten fired from my previous job. I was using a lot of drugs then and stuff and ended up getting fired from there. Um, I was living with my mum downstairs and um, I actually pretended that I was going to work. I think I got away with it for about a month. Um, Every day I would put on a uniform and go (laughs) somewhere to work um, until she, I think, rang up one day or something and I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she knew this lady who had a coffee shop and said, oh, look, my daughter needs a job. Um, are you willing to give her a go? You know, um, and gave me a go because she's um, had a bit of a colourful background as well, I think, and um, turned her life around. So I felt a bit of pressure to sort of actually go to the job and work, you know. I'd never made coffee before. I was good with people, so I just was on the register, um, I was serving customers. It was so hectically busy. Some days I would stand in the same spot for three hours making coffee without moving. Could I please get a large flat white, quarter strength, 52 degrees um, with skim milk and soy milk, stirred three times to the left and one time anti-clockwise and just a half a sugar. And the flat white is with froth on the top, please. People used to order the weirdest shit and they were dead set that, you know, you had to make it that way. And they would tell me how to, how to make it because what would I know? I'm just making it. 
I've always had a good work ethic. Um, I'm a hard worker. I would honestly keep working if I had to for 24 hours, I'd say. I'm able to push through and keep going and stuff. I would always cover any shifts. The first few years that I was there, I was very reliable. I feel like I'm in the centre of the sun. It's that hot. This yard's all right, but it's very dry and it's got like a lot of sandy dirt that's gonna flick up and puts little cuts on your legs, but that's all right. At the start, when I ever first started taking drugs, I was running away from different things like, um. Before ICE, I was still working out that I was gay. Like, I wasn't fussed by it, but I was still trying to work out what was going on. This is about 11 years ago, even more. Um, it wasn't, like, as okay as it is now, I guess. And um, I got teased a lot in school. I was about 16. No, maybe younger than that, 15. Then I, I came out to my mum. That was the hardest thing. Um, but I actually came out and said that I was bi, bisexual first, um, because again, that was still just the process of me realizing what was going on. And then as, as it got more known and stuff, I got more comfortable with the idea. Um, and then my mum, of course, being my mum that she is, she rung everybody, she told everyone, and it was a big thing for her, you know? Um, but it was, it was weird because I was still working it out. My mum was fine with it, but um, she was was not very supportive in the way where she just said, oh, are you sure? What if you didn't meet the right guy, blah, blah, blah. At the start, that's what she, her attitude was, um, and it made me second-guess myself, I think. At that stage, I was not my happy bubbly personality that I am now. I was a bit of um, an introvert and I was very quiet and all this was going on in my head and around me. Like I didn't want to go to school because I was scared of the shame or what people were saying about me. Um, and I think I, I still do care a lot about what people think and what they say and yeah. That affected me a lot. So I started drinking and stuff, which um, made me think less about all these things, I guess. I got into speed amphetamines before I got into ice, and that was um, just like swallowing it. I did a lot of that, and then, uh, after being out one night in the morning, we were at someone's house and this guy had an ice pipe and um, he said, oh, you guys want some? And I'd never smoked it like that before. And um, I said, sure. I didn't know how to do it or what to do. They had to light it for me. Um, so it was really weird. And yeah, I loved it, of course. I loved it. Well, at first, um, you don't feel like it's working but it just makes you really aware and really awake and it really straightened me up because I felt normal in a way. 
that's the best way to describe it. And then um, he said, yeah, I've got some ice. And um, he said, um, I don't know if any of your friends are into it or whatever, um, but, you know, here's a little bit, see if you can get rid of that and um, I'll ask you and give me the money later or something, you know. So I got into that and stuff. Um, but honestly, I was actually smoking all of it. I wasn't selling it to anyone. I was in the honeymoon phase of it, you know. And then I started obviously using more and more and I wasn't so sharp anymore, you know. It started affecting me a lot, affecting my work ethic. Oh, fuck. I was very moody, up and down, very unpredictable. I was always tired or, you know, just not myself now. And um, my boss knew what I was getting up to. So that was becoming a problem, you know, because I would come in and open the shop because I was a supervisor. Um, I would be really good for the first hour because I just had a big hit and um, I'd had a shower, I'd come in there fresh, ready to go, and then an hour had passed because I'd been awake for who knows how long, months, weeks, I don't know. Um, yeah, it just went, it spiralled out of control very quickly and um, at that stage I wasn't smoking ice at work but I eventually led to that and... Um, because obviously I was using a lot more, staying awake for a lot longer. Um, my tolerance was higher. I needed um, more hits more frequently. The longest I ever stayed awake for on ice would be probably a week because I would always generally have a rule that I'd need to eat or at least have an hour nap in between. Yeah, it's crazy, um, the thinking anything to keep using. I smoke drugs at work in the storeroom. Um, I smoke drugs in the toilets. I sold drugs to people that I worked with. I um, got people high that I worked with. Um, I stole money from work. I went from the best worker, I was the best worker and my boss's best friend, to so many days off. Um, I used to not answer my phone, um, you know, unexplained disappearances and stuff like that where I was just using drugs. It's almost like a really bad lover that treats you like shit, abuses you, you know, but you keep going back to them because you know them so well and um, in a fucked up way you feel comfortable with them. Because um, <clears throat> when I used to be in my room smoking ice, my life was fucked up around me, but I didn't care just at that moment um, because the drugs took that away, yeah. Well, it's hard because um, <clears throat> they've given me these moments that I could never, ever forget and that have changed my life. But some of those moments have been very good and some have been very bad. But the hardest part, I think, is I can forget the bad ones, but it's the good ones that you seem to not forget and that always make you want to do it again.
no matter where it takes you, you know. Like I'm sitting in jail now because of it, but I could think of a good time that nothing else but drugs will create that. Not sex, not love, not food, not nothing. I could honestly say it all came falling down when I lost my job. I'd built a serious ice addiction and um, slowly destroyed everything on the way. I had a really good job that I loved and um, I loved my boss. She was my best friend um, and she knew. She came to my house one day and said, um, yeah, she um, knew that there was money going missing and stuff and, um, you know, enough was enough. And um, <clears throat> I, I felt it coming for a long time. I actually don't know how I got away with a lot of shit that I did for so long. Um, and I think it was because she loved me like a family, you know. And um, I was at my house. I had music blaring. Um, I was off my head. I was sitting on my couch, um, probably smoking a pipe. I can't really remember. And um, I heard her yelling out. I knew what was coming when I heard her. I just sat in the lounge room with the music blaring and she came in and then um, I paused it. I was so high and I just um, said, yep, no worries. You know, it was almost like I was angry at her, um, I think. And she asked me a few questions about things going on and I denied everything and um, she was very upset, she was crying. It was breaking her heart what she was telling me. Um, I was very off my head and I was just sitting there and I didn't really say much or do much and then she left. Um, so it was very quick. Um, and then after that, whew, I don't clearly remember but I dare say that I would have used a lot, a lot of drugs and probably put the music back on again and um, lost it, I would have um, broken down. I'd lost this job that I loved with my best friend, who I did everything with every day, and I, I now had to accept that and deal with that and then explain that to everyone else, you know? Finish off with the last little bit of walk in the sun. And um, we're home. Feels good to be home after a hard day's work. Attention, attention. In the following come up four visits. She visits me a lot. She's got a little daughter who's three, who I absolutely love, can't wait to see. So she visits me when she can. After all that, eventually um, we worked things out because like her family and her were like my family. So yeah, I sorted myself out and um, yeah, things have been slowly getting better. And because we have that friendship there, I think it never goes away.
Attention Sector 4, all female industry workers report to work. All female industry workers report to work. Morning, girls. Morning. 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 I've got... Um, Work's a big deal in prison. I think the best job is the seamstress position because you get to work by yourself and you're in aircon and, yeah, you just it's nice and peaceful and quiet. And the highest paying. Yeah, I'm trying to be humble. Yeah, say that bit too. I don't know why it's the highest paying, but it is. Because it's a skilled position. Where? Oh, yeah, yeah, how is it a skilled position? The best job that I had in here is a headset cleaner. The most coveted job in the prison is I'm going to say the food trolley pusher and the chemical handler because that's me. I make scrunchies for the women. I mend and alter all the clothes that need fixing up. I'm in charge of making sure everybody gets fed. I'm in charge of making sure all the chemicals are in the pods for people to keep their rooms and their houses clean. So I think that's the most coveted job. <laughs> Pot cleaner clean, toilet, kitchen. They take rubbish bin out and sweep and mop. I make scrunchies. Did I say scrunchies? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I've made over 100 scrunchies this week and I'm sick of scrunchies. Librarian, we have quick smart teachers. They teach the some of the women numeracy and literacy, how to read and write. There's also a new newly um, created position, the sport and rec officer. Oh, yeah. Liaison. Liaison. Um, so they... Facilitate. We have no idea, but I'm pretty sure they facilitate exercise programs within Sector 4, but nothing has happened yet. Gardening. We also have the office cleaner who cleans the office for the officers and also listens to the gossip. (laughs) Women who work in buys pack all our purchases that we make on the kiosk, so chocolate, chips, all our toiletries, yeah, all our goodies for the week, for the whole prison. Work party, some of the girls can go out and work, doing gardening and shit outside the prison. Trolley pusher for lunch. That's me, I'm the trolley pusher. And I've got to go get the trolley, then take it down to the middle and hand out meal by meal for lunch and for dinner. It's a great job. All the pyjamas in here are purple. Purple is the colour of uh, women's liberation, actually. It's a feminist colour. Yeah, power to the women. Wow, I didn't know that. Only when we're asleep. (laughs) At least we've got got fucking scrunchies. I hate them. (laughs) Did you know they're making a comeback on the outside? We don't know what's going on on the outside. (laughs) Maybe that could be my new business venture when I get out. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that Qantas headsets are refurbished by prisoners? You know the complimentary headsets they give you when you board the flight? They came from here. Yep. Most people don't realise that their ears are touching stuff that's been in prison. Come on, we'll take you over to Industries to meet the headset team. In the headsets room, as you walk in, you'd see a table covered in headsets, uh, the women sitting around the table talking in their language, uh, all different dialects. Hello, my name is Nolene. 
and I'm from North East Arnhem Land. My name's um, Emma and I'm currently, we do refurbishing of the headsets for Qantas. At the present moment I am just testing the business class headsets. How do you do that? Um, so we receive them in big packages and we go through and sort them like the girls are doing at the present moment. Um, first step is making sure that the pins are working correctly, which we have a tester for. Um, we stick it into the tester, make sure that it's got two green lights to confirm that it's working correctly and that one's all good to go. So we clean it and then repackage it and it's, yeah, it goes back to corners. What do you use to clean it with? Um, so, oh God, some sort of disinfectant. <laughs> you can give us a bit of a spray. Yeah. <laughs> so don't spray directly on them, otherwise we'll destroy the headphones. So how long does it take to do one? Oh, not even a minute. Yeah, it's, it's fairly quick, but we get a lot. Um, we, so there's normally... With the economy ones, there's 50 per bag, and we try and get 20 bags per day. Um, and with the business class ones, there is 20 per bag, and we have no set amount for those ones. So we start at 8.30, and then we... depends on how much we get, so we might finish between 12, 1, 2, just depends how much we get through. We only get little paid, $30 a week. And it's like, we're doing a hard job and we need more pay rise. The headsets is very relaxed, whereas there is more competition in bars and more, I'm better than you if I'm picking. When I'm working, I'm all right. But yeah, when I'm in the pot by myself, I get bored, I worry too much. Worry, worry, worry too much. These are the headset refurbishment awards that we've received. Um, that one is for 2016 Outstanding Achievement Award. The headset refurbishment 16, and again for <coughs> 17. What does that mean? These actually come from Sydney. Wow. From. Um, Cabin services. So, yeah, that just means that the girls have um, done the outstanding job. They actually um, took photos of the way that these girls refurbished the headsets and packed the bags and stuff and actually used them as promo on the way they should be done. They have to fill up the form to get a job in the prison. How to be a good behaviour in the job. For me, um, humbug, because I'm not an easy person to employ because I'm very outspoken. But, yeah, humbug. Persistent, be annoying, knock on the window, excuse me, can I have a job? Excuse me, got a job? Excuse me, can I have a job? Can I have a job? Can I have a job? <laughs> or if you know someone that's already employed for them to put in a good word for you, when a person is due to leave prison and they hold a good position and if you're interested in that position, the person that's about to leave will line that job for you and hold it and, and um, yeah, we'll tee it up for you. So it's pretty good like when you know someone in that position and you're really good mates with them, you, you're highly likely to get that job, yeah. 
suck up. Just suck up all day long. (laughs) And I'm foreman now. (laughs) I'm the boss lady in buyers. So everyone calls me boss lady. (laughs) All the sucking up was worth it. One of the most sought after jobs in sector four is seamstress. Hi, am I allowed to come in with my recorder? Well, this is a nice little nook. What are you sewing today? On the Hinhead bench today. Scrunchies. Yeah, just in case, because I need a lot of them, so I haven't been doing many lately. I've been doing pyjamas and doing the mending, putting elastic in the shorts. That's what we make the scrunchies out of, is old, old material. Some of it you can't because it's too old and it's rotten. And when you sew it, just all and it'll, all the stitching just rips. So, yeah. So a fair bit of recycling going on in here. A lot of recycling, yes. And we're out to save money in this building, not spend it. But uh, that's good. That's good. Good. A lot of recycling goes on. But usually with the purple ones, when I have leftover material from making the pajamas, you can't do anything with it. Like them bits sitting up there, so I'll make scrunchies out of that. The first scrunchie I, I actually made, actually, I, I sewed on the wrong way. So I, I had to throw it out. That was only because I had a three-day crash course. And so, yes, but I just got a bit of faith in myself and I got better and better as time went on. As time went on. Because you've got to be a sewer. There's no point being there if you can't sew. Because apparently they've had some pretty um, grim sewers in here where they haven't lasted very where they haven't lasted Everyone's very long. Everyone's pants have been falling down. Well, yes, they, basically that, or they couldn't make a scrunchie. I'm thinking, oh, God, I can't be that silly. Especially, come on, I'm 57 years old. I've got six children, 12 grandchildren. I've got to have some form of sewing skills. The first sewing machine we come in here, we have, um, you had to sew everything by hand. You didn't have the foot pedal. I think it must have been... I'd never seen one before in my life. Oh, my God, I was so nervous to use it. And it only had one speed, and that was real OK, so I'll sew this together now to make a circle. And there's some dangerous things in here, right? There's needles, yes, pins, and, got... and so how did you, you know, I imagine they... They're, they're counted every day. You have a toolbox... And I'm the only one near Miss Miller, of course, the only ones that got the pin to it, the to, to the um, to the lock. Right. You have a code on it. And every day I count them and Miss Mellor will come and count how many it is, how many of that, what's supposed to have in there. If I leave here to go to the toilet or to make a coffee, I'll put everything back in the toolbox and lock it. You got it. Because if anything goes missing, that's my that's my backside. Stop, Stop the, the podcast. podcast. This is an advertisement. Tim Tams. They're so good. Mmm. Mmm. They're yeah, good. Mm. Go get a Tim Tam. In <laughs> Not go get a Tim Tam up, yeah? Well, no. Whatever <laughs> <Go get a laughs> well, floats your boat. Can I get another one, please? <laughs> Mm. Mm. 
Start the podcast. Work is important because it makes the time go fast as well when you keep yourself busy. Why is it important for me? Because I need to work for my money to buy things like shampoo, conditioner, some other stuff like to eat porridge and wheat pig and milk, yeah. Especially if your family can't give you any money and you're, you're only reliant on your the pain here. Work is important to make money for uh, toiletries, to buy um, coffee. For me, it's uh, I'm a thinker. I spend a lot of time in my head, so keeps me busy and keeps me out of trouble. And so we're not going to think about our family outside. It works, makes us like busy. So we're talking to other people in work, telling story, laughing away. It makes me feel like it, I'm back in society, like. When I was on the outside, I've always had a job. So coming in here and having a job, it's kind of getting back into that same routine of having employment and feeling like normal, a little bit of normality in my life. Yeah. Just kills the time. My niece said to me the other day, she said, Honey, Trish, your hair's getting really curly. And I said, because when I'm not at work, I just twirl my hair all day. So if I didn't have work, I'd have really curly hair. We all got our own little rackets in here, like Yazzie, who makes handmade greeting cards. I've done several cards, like birthday cards and uh, release cards, cards that women can purchase from me for a chocolate bar. Um, the cards that they buy in bars are $3.50 and a chocolate bar is only $1.90, so they're quite unique cards. I did one for Sam for her birthday. It had happy 40th birthday written on the front and the birthday had balloons hanging off of it and one big balloon in the middle with the 40th written on it. And then when you opened it up, it had this big penis, erect penis, and a little man head poking around the side pair of feet and a pair of hands hanging onto it because she likes men. So she was so wrapped that she got a penis for her birthday. <laughs> and that was only $1.90 chocolate bar. Exactly. What a True, yes. Unique original art. Remember Taze? Well, she's out of prison now and she's back at her old job. Order up. So, I'm back at my old stomping ground doing what I love, which is talking shit and making coffees. Um, And it's the best. Me and my boss are uh, best friends again. She gave me another chance. Yeah, everything's really good. I'm still pretty handy on the whippersnapper too. Uh, You know... I still cut grass in uh, spare time.
In the next episode, we'll let you in on a little secret about hot dogs and keeping time. And you'll meet Kay, who grew up in a remote community on the edge of Arnhem Land. We left about five o'clock in the morning. And it was still dark. I want to feel sleepy. I want back to sleep. I heard that big bang. We had a big truck, and but it spins around six times, and all the body was flying out everywhere. Thanks for listening to Bird's Eye View, the first podcast made in Darwin Correctional Centre by us, the women from Sector Four. Sylvia, Nolene, Kay, Amy, Kellyanne, Bianca, Trisha, Kiara, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Brooklyn, Tace, Rocket, Dan, Jessica, Naomi, Sophie, Julie, Tegan, Joan, Yasmin, Sophie, Jesse, Kirsty Louise, Becky Boo, and Ashley. Bird's Eye View is presented by Story Projects. This episode was produced by Leah Sanderson and Cinnamon Nippard. Johanna Bauer is the executive producer. With mixing by Hamish Robertson of Tall Tale Audio. Our awesome theme music is by Katie Baker and is called Worth It. In this episode, you also heard music by Cassie Williams, Bat Hazard, Sieta and Katie Baker. Music coordination by Ben Andrews. Jeez Louise, it takes a lot of people to make a podcast. <laughs> Bird's Eye View was funded by another territory government and the Australia Council for the Arts. With support from the Prison Songs Impact Campaign and Audio Craft. Everything you've heard has been signed off by the Northern Territory Correctional Services. To hear more stories from women inside, search for Bird's Eye View wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes.